So we have a, the joy of welcoming a, a guest speaker today, but more than that, a good friend by the name of Pastor Russ Austin. Uh, pastor Russ is the senior pastor of South Point Community Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And this man of God has been in ministry for almost 40 years. He's a, a member of the North American leadership team for every nation, um, has a beautiful wife, lovely three kids, and eight going on nine grandkids. Has uh, mentored Pastor Morgan for, for years. And so we're really blessed to have him here today to, 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 to really minister to us. He, he did an amazing job with our men uh, this, this past weekend and in, in, in the last two services, and I, and I know he's going to do the same this service. So we're excited about that. So when he comes up after I pray in this video, I want you to give him a warm welcome, okay? For the love of a church and a city and its communities for the love of neighbors and for the love of those far away for the love of the persecuted for the love of the nations for God so loved the world good morning mosaic Hey, you're doing better than almost any service so far. No one caught that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let, me, let me jump into this real quick. I'm, obviously, I'm Russ. If you're waiting for somebody else, it, this is it. This is where it goes. And, uh, but um, it's great to be with you. Let me tell you three things that are really important to me being here on this platform. I don't know that I've ever done a Sunday morning here. I've never been in a Sunday morning here. But... And uh, I think it's over 30 years ago. I'm not sure of the dates, but I go way back, like way back before names of people, names, names, like way back uh, and have been familiar and have been here in the existence of this church uh, many, many years ago. And I think it's somewhere around 30, probably over 30. And, um, but, uh, uh, and to see who you are today is like, does my heart so much good. It's amazing. You're an amazing church. You should give yourself a hand. You really should. You should clap for yourself, like for the guy over there, if you don't want to clap for yourself. And uh, so it's, it's so neat to see who and what you've become. Second thing is, uh, it's the most important. I should have started there. I just am really excited Jesus is here. And I know like he's everywhere and, and, and all of that, but I love it in a corporate gathering in a moment of time where he's like in his house when all the living stones come together and he kind of shows up in a unique, uh, dynamic and special way. I love that. Uh, felt it in the first service, felt it in the second, and obviously feel it again in the third, the spirit of Jesus, the presence of Jesus here. Wouldn't be fun to do church if the head of the church was gone and not honored. And I just love him. I just love Jesus. I love serving him. Excited to serve him. Can't wait to do more for him. And uh, so excited to be here and get this chance for that. Love the church. Love Jesus. But then again, uh, it's been a joy uh, walking for years. I'm not sure I would be actually a mentor, uh, the mentor. I've helped a couple of times and uh, try to help give some direction in that. But it's not hard to do. Uh, if you, in our every nation world, and I know a lot of people going, I don't even know what that is, Russ. Well, this church belongs to a convention of churches around the world and um, stands alone by itself, and, and, but it's a part of that group. And, um, uh, and when we look across North America at the up-and-coming young leaders in North America, there's probably a very short list of five amazing guys. It's probably 15 or 20, but then there's five at the top. Your pastor is right there. 
and uh, and it's just uh, and it's, so we're I'm and you're you're going is he going somewhere no if he then he'll go down to the bottom of the list and uh, he has to stay here to stay on the list and um, so that's good news for you and everybody said amen and so that's that's not what it's about it's his influence from here who makes he and Carrie what they are but they would be the first to tell you. Uh, that they don't walk alone, that they walk with Galen and John, and, and there's a team that helps govern and lead the church, but then there's his staff, and I've been with them back there eating too many cinnamon rolls, and I tried various burritos, because I wonder what that one tastes like, and then I thought, well, I wonder what that one tastes like, and so, so anyhow, I was just sampling, and, uh, and back there, so I've met a lot of the staff, the worship team, I've met them over the weekend, you were led by a great group of people, but... Morgan and Carrie are one of my, and I tell them this, and, and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't say this everywhere, because if I said it everywhere, they go, he said that about me. And uh, so there's three or four guys in our movement that are younger than me that I absolutely look forward to being with, love being around, and your pastor's one of them. He's one of the finest communicators that I've heard in a long time. And uh, so everybody, Morgan Stevens and Carrie Stevens, amen. All right. Okay, let me just, a uh, little advertisement here real quick, though. Now, if you're a guest this morning, I'm glad you're here. And I'm, you know why I'm so happy for you? Because your search is over. Why would you go somewhere else? You know how you've been praying, Lord, lead me? I'm telling you, this is it. And it's all, no need to go do that. You don't have to go meet new people again, go through that whole awkward thing. Where do I park? Where do I go? Who wants me? Will they take good care of my kids? Is there amazing worship? Is the guest speaker like off the chart? Is uh, all of that? It's all here for you today to answer that. I mean, why would you look somewhere else? I wouldn't. Now, if you want to downgrade and suffer for Jesus and say, I really go to church in a place that I don't want to go and uh, to show Jesus how much I love him, then go somewhere else. Or you could stay here. So welcome to all you guests. We build a lot of this for you, you know. No, a lot of what they do, they figure out how long the service should be, how you should be served at the door, what they should do with your children, what they should say and not say in a message. They decide a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it based on the fact that you're showing up. So we're really glad you're here. I hope you'll stay, honestly. I hope you'll stay and be a part of the Mosaic family. Amen? All right, so thanks for being here. And the rest of you, I'm glad you're here, but you're supposed to be, so... Those of you on live stream, by the way, do you have live stream? Okay. Oh, you don't have it. Then I don't have to talk to you. Because I was going to tell all the live stream people, if you're sick, that's fine. If you're out of town, that's fine. If you're here and just being lazy, get your in here and, uh, and, and start being a part of what this church is in a real way. All right. But since you don't have it, I did that in the first service. Nobody even told me. How you, how you let a man, how do you let a man get up and do that and not tell him, you know? It's like there's something in your nose. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for telling me. All right, I've burned up all my time, but it's the last service. I can go to six. My plane doesn't leave till then. All right, so here we go. I did a series of messages. I did a series of messages called Highlights. And um, uh, ladies, no, no, not that kind. Uh, uh, and fellas, not that kind, but almost. And, uh, but it's, it was verses that have marked my life early in my walk, which is marked me. I mean, actually kind of formed how I thought about things, ideas that kind of captivated my life and stayed with me throughout the course of my life. And we took each one of those and for about seven or eight weeks, we did those called highlights. And, uh, then when I was talking to pastor about what 
you guys are doing? He said, we're in the book of John and talking about uh, various things on the love of God. And I said, well, perfect. I'm going to go out of John chapter 12 then. And, uh, but I'm not going to start there. So I just want to tell you, I'm going to stay in line with this series on John. And, but I want to start somewhere else. This is the, a verse that changed my life, well-known verse. So you can use the screens, your technology, whatever you use, and turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Now, the name of this is the greatest church service in the world. The greatest church service in the world. Now, I know you're not used to those kind of titles here because you have like a creative genius for a pastor who comes up with all these kind of names that you're going, wonder what he's really talking about. You know, when you, you see it, you go, what is that? I've got to find out what that means. I don't have that gear nor that chip, so I just tell people what I'm talking about. So I'm just talking about the greatest service in the world. So here we go, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That verse marked my life when I was about 19 years old. That's a long time ago. 19 years old. And it was in the circle that I was in, it was used all the time, and various verses were laid down on, on, on top of it, and, and root systems were built out of it, and talked about this amazing church that was going to be the hope of the world, that was going to prevail in the world, that was the bride of Christ, and she was going to be beautiful and amazing and prepared and ready. And gosh, all these messages that I heard in the early days, and they were a regular occurrence. And um, and so I just got captivated with the church. In fact, this verse so captivated me, I was at a conference one time, and they had these little $2 black and white, not black, what do you call it, sepia tone? They're like the brownish colored uh, things and uh, pictures, and you buy them for $2, and they're about this big, and uh, it had a caption of 1944 Warsaw, Poland, and it had just been bombed to the ground. And in this caption, this picture... It's just, it honestly looks like somebody just took a load of bricks and just threw them on the ground. Every building is level. There's a few little places where like a little wall was sticking up or something. But I say for blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks, as far as I could see, leveled, except for one thing. There was this church. This church was sitting right in the middle of all this rubble. The glass in the windows is still in the windows. There's a clock in the, in the steeple. It's still there with all the hands on it. The church looks absolutely untouched. And under the, the people found this photograph, took it, and then put the caption, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and laid it down and sold it. Well, I bought one. I just loved it. And because of this verse, and bought it, and I went out and bought a $45 frame, and I put a $45 frame around my $2 picture. And I've taken it everywhere I've gone for 43 years. I put it in my prayer room. I keep it in my office. I always keep it somewhere where I can see it all the time to remind me. It, the, in the course of those years, the frame has gotten beat to pieces. And my wife, who doesn't care for those kind of things, said, I'm going to go get you a new frame for your picture. I said, I'll leave you. <laughs> and uh, I said, so yeah, I said, now look, I know I don't have control of many things in this house. 
I said, but you touched that picture, I'll leave you. You understand? I said, somebody else is going to pay your bills. And uh, I said, do not touch my picture. So she knows, hands off the picture. And so when we moved in this big building that we built here a few years back, I, I took a big risk because I don't know where to find those anymore. In fact, if you can find them, I'd love to know because uh, I'd love to buy a few more of them. But um, it's, um, uh, I sent it to a company. It was a big risk because I thought, man, I may never see it again. And I sent it to a company. They take a special photograph of it, and they turned it into wallpaper. And now I have that. It's bigger than that whole wall. You walk up the steps of our building, and there's this giant photograph and um, I think I, did I send that to you one time, Morgan? And, um, and uh, a, a picture of it and, and, uh, and sent, uh, it, it's there and it's, when you walk up, there it is, this giant picture and it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I say all that to say this, I love the church, y'all. I love church, just church. You're going, you mean the church that Jesus wants, just the church he has. I love it. And I live in the underbelly of it. I do, that's where I live. You know, when people get up and criticize the church, you know, there's some politics in the church. I'm going, brother, I got, I can upgrade you. You want to talk about politics? You should see who I've met and what I've seen and the ugliness. And here you're going, oh. And people down there, they're, they're living one way, but saying another thing. I'm going, met them too. Met them too. And I, in fact, they've got cousins you don't know about. And, uh, and I said, they're, they're just everywhere down there. And they're just saying, there's this kind of person and this kind of people and that kind of people. And I'm going, yep, met them all. I've been in the underbelly. That's where I live. But up on the other side of it is this people that God is using. In spite of human frailties, in spite of human brokenness, God says, you know what? I'm going to build me a church and it's not going to prevail. That verse is true. I don't care what you see in the underbelly of the church. That verse is true. There's a prevailing church. It ministers to people. It collects people. It's a blessing in this world. It's touching the world. God uses it over and over again from country to country to country. I love the church. I love the nursery. I love the coffee shop. I love the rotunda. No, you don't have that. you got a foyer. Yeah, I have a rotunda. You have a foyer. I love the parking lot. I love the problems. I love the fact there's not enough restrooms. I love the fact that there's not enough chair room. I love the fact that there's not enough parking spots. I love all of that. That's all what we do. I love every piece of it. It's what we're called to do. I love the church. The church is amazing. Yes, we got to fix all that stuff. Gosh, we got to fix all that stuff. But man, let's not go around. You want to criticize? I'll tell you. You want to criticize the church? Call me. I'll help you write your book. But I'm not going to live there. Uh-uh. I've walked with too many people that at church gave their life to Jesus, then found somebody who would take care of them while they were ridiculous in their first walk with Jesus. And I've seen it thousands of times, not hundreds, thousands. I've seen marriages saved and kids raised right. Workplaces changed because of the church. It's what Jesus uses. He said, I'm going to build one. Okay, i got to hurry. I'm taking more time because it's the second service. That should scare you. All right, so let me hurry a little bit here. So Christ has a church. Let's unpack this. Christ has a church. He says, I've got a church. I'm building it. It's very simple. Don't overcomplicate it. It's an assembly of redeemed people for a common purpose under a spiritual leadership. That's don't overcomplicate that. Now, you see, if you want to study the church and all that stuff, that's great, and there's a much bigger answer. But for those of you who are getting up tomorrow to go to work for 10 hours and raise your family and go to soccer practice and all that stuff and then try to show up next Sunday, it's the assembly of the redeemed, people that God has saved, birthed into the kingdom of God, and assembled them. 
And people go, well, what about the people who are not redeemed? Welcome. Welcome to the community of the redeemed. We're glad you're here. But the collection that he calls the church is those that have surrendered their lives to Jesus. I hope you do before you leave. It's the greatest thing you could ever do with your life. But it is the assembly of the redeemed, all right? It is built on the confessors of a divine revelation. Just remember that. Real simple. It's built on the confessors of a divine revelation. You're going, you mean like the church is built on Peter's revelation of Jesus? No, I used to think that. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, you just got a revelation, Peter, from heaven, and you spoke it. He said, that's what I'm going to build my church on, that whole process. He said, you're first, but there are millions coming after you. You're one of them. See, I'm a confessor of divine revelation. You're going, like he speaks to you in a dream? No, usually when I'm reading my Bible. Most of my greatest revelations have been when I'm reading my Bible, like 98% of them. Or when I'm reading my Bible. People tend to not respect those. I'm going, I got a revelation out of the word of God. They're going, oh, good. I'm going, I got a revelation in the middle of the night while I was asleep. Really tell me about it. I'm going, what's the difference? If it's a revelation from heaven and it's way easier to get reading my Bible because I don't trust my dreams. I'm just going to go with that one most of the time. And whenever God tells me something where it's, and you know what I mean, a revelation is when that verse turns into fire, when that verse comes off the page and leaps up and goes, I want you. When the Bible's talking to you, you're not reading it, it's reading you. And all of this stuff is going on. Every Christian in here should know what I'm talking about if you read your Bible after you were born again. Something fires up in your spirit. You're having a revelation from heaven. He says, confess it, speak it, express it with your life, obey it, do it, confess it. And he said, I will build my church on confessors of divine revelation. All right? Uh, and the church wins. I like that. I'm big on that. I didn't want to get on the Titanic. This boat's going to sink. Get on. Oh, what a journey. That'll be a trip. You know, no, the church conquers. It wins. It overcomes. So whatever language you want to use, Jesus is Lord. Then he gets his way and he gets things done the way he wants them. Now, this is important because you need to understand that it wins because it stands against hell and all that hell stands for. Now, you should panic right now. You should be going, uh-oh, he's about to go down a conservative pipeline and freak us all out right now. You know, I do live in northern Florida, which is just south of Georgia. That's those people. <laughs> the ones you're thinking about right now, oh, that's them. Mud grip tires, gun racks, antlers. But what about this? What about... So depressed, I'm thinking about taking my life. I've been rejected all my life by the people that were closest to me, and I feel like a nothing. I have no identity, and I've searched my whole life in self-destructive habits. I'm an addict with no control over my own life. I've lived lonely every day of my existence, and it has caused me to do things I would have never dreamed I would do. What about that kind of internal pain that hell brings against people? The church stands against that. Not a political system, it's the kingdom of God. It stands against that, and that is a powerful force in our world, driven by idolatry and self love. It's its power force, is self love. All idols come out of self love, and whenever that happens, people stand in a way of what God wants to do, and the church goes, No, I'm pressing on that. The church presses on all of that in the world. There's a war going on, it is a fight, and He says, They won't prevail, the church will. The church. Isn't that interesting? He's going to say, I will. And he will through the 
Church. You think churches aren't important? You want to make them unimportant because you get mad at them. But Jesus has never thought they were unimportant. All right. You won't be able to write these down. Let me just tell you real quick. They're not going on the screen. Uh, I'm just going to read through them real quick. What I think I've learned church to be. It's a place of presence. Jesus is here. We'll talk about that in a minute. A place to worship. You know, to worship differently. You're not going to stand out in the middle of your backyard with a band playing. You know, uh, you know it, there's not other people around. Gather your neighbors around. Hey, will you just lift your hands and worship with me? You get to do that in a church service. It's a place to learn. I hope I teach you something that you didn't know before. Or remind you of something real important that you forgot, a place to love and encourage one another. You know, you're here. You should slow down a little bit on your way out. Really, you should. You should walk looking for somebody across the parking lot and walk across. You should. I actually walk in church, and I did this with a couple, or a guy today. I was walking in, and I saw a guy pulling a visitor's face, and I was going to get him. I thought, he's a visitor. Either that or he cheated. Either way, he needed to hear from me, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I thought, he's either a cheater or a visitor. I need to be where he's at right now. And, uh, and uh, so I was trying to get to him. And, um, uh, and then I saw a family of a guy who was in the, uh, at, the, at the thing yesterday. And, um, uh, and, and I walked with him. And I, hey, who are you? What are you? Is there, are these your children? In other words, I don't want to just run in here. I don't want to run in here, Pastor Morgan, sing a few songs and run out of here. I got people I need to talk to. Folks, I'm doing that. I don't live here. Yeah. It's what Christians do. Right. When the church does that. Anyhow, I'm taking, boy, I'm taking way more time. And um, so um, it's a place for alignment. You know, you get out in the world, you get crooked. Yeah. You know, you go to work tomorrow and the people you're around, the stuff you're around, the life. And I, I, I'm not saying you're sinning or you might be, but I'm not saying that. You just get crooked. It's whenever the disciples came in and Jesus washed their feet. And it's because their feet get dusty, walking on dusty roads. And so hospitality was to wash off people's feet. It wasn't like you were all nasty and needed a bath. You just need to wash your feet. So church helps you kind of get your feet washed, get realigned, recalibrated, land your plane so you can set your gauges for the rest of the week, fly straight. Church does that. I love church. I just love it. It's a place to serve and sow where you can see what grows. You serve and sow here, you can hang around, watch the fruit grow. Because they come back next week and next month and next year. Some of you are looking at fruit that you've sown into because you've been here six, seven years. It's cool, isn't it? Isn't it cool to look around and go, whoa, hey, you know, they were total jerks when I first knew them. (laughs) (laughs) Look what God has done. They're just barely jerks now. And uh, so... A place, to, <laughs> a place to discover life-giving relationships and have family. A lot of you are going to make some of your best friends ever here. You're going to stay here a decade or longer. Your kids are going to grow up together. It's going to be so cool. Make church be that. All right, so I want to get to John. Uh, I know you're going, Russ, are you going to end this thing? I have to be out by 6. <laughs> My wife's expecting me home. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. While you're turning there in your technology, you know what? I got to tell you, with the men's group, I had so much fun with them, and I met one of the guys. I was thinking about camaraderie and the fun that you do, and I met one of the guys. TJ's his name. And the TJ was in the second service. His wife was in the first, so I'm assuming his children are in the third. <laughs> and uh, so, so, you know, I'm, it's, we're praying for the family. But, it's, uh, but TJ was out, and they were playing dodgeball, and, uh, and, and, and it got down to just him and his uh, goalie, or whatever, the guy guarding the pins. Ladies, don't worry about it. Just, it was important. 
This is important stuff. And, uh, and, and, and so, uh, and he's out there, and this team's about to be decimated. And then he catches a ball. When you catch a ball, you get to get one of your guys that's been put out back in. Then he catches another one. Another guy gets put in. And he's making a big comeback. And then I see this look, guys. I see this look that I love. It's why I love being a man. It's why I love being with brothers. He gets this look on him like, I'm the man. It's, it's, that, it's that look that men get. We're going, I'm bringing us back. Me. Me. It's, he wasn't saying that, but he couldn't hide it. Every brother who's ever had that feeling, come on, brothers, you know what I'm talking about. You're going, I've had that feeling. And your wife has seen that on you. Your wife has seen Now, let me tell you the two things your wife thinks about when she sees that. You idiot. You idiot. There you can look at you. You're going to make it. You're going to do something stupid. You do something stupid every time you look like that. And the second thing she goes, and that is when you are so cute. Yes, you do. I knew you weren't going to say amen, but that you're going, I love him when he's like that, but he's so stupid. And so TJ's going, I'm the man. He's bringing him back. The team's coming back. And then he does what I wanted him to do so bad because it's what I would have done. He goes, I'm bringing his back. And he turns around and he's cheering to his guys and he gets put out. A guy just hits him right in the backside. He's out. Total pride breakdown. I said, that man can be my leader. That guy can lead me anywhere. Okay, I know some of you came to hear the Bible. So John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. The greatest church service in the world has four things. Everybody say four. Four, because Morgan always uses three. So I don't want to be Morgan. Somebody told me that in the foyer, so I'm assuming. I have no idea if that's even true. Number one, number one, every great church service has people that have been raised from the dead. People that have been raised from the dead, and they know they've been raised from the dead. Lazarus, a few days before, had been dead and in the grave. His sisters were mourning him. It wasn't like they were still hoping. We're going to get into the story in a minute, but they had sent for Jesus when Lazarus was sick, but Jesus didn't show up on time. So Lazarus died and was buried. His sisters are in mourning. This family was one of Jesus' favorite families. We know that because every time he stayed at Bethany, he stayed with them. He liked being around them. It was part of his group. So they're severely disappointed. But now they're sitting at this table. Jesus, or Lazarus, isn't dead anymore. He's sitting across the table eating. Imagine that. Could you imagine being Mary or Martha a few days ago? He was dead. Now they're looking across the table. He's alive. And you go, when I say dead, I mean like gone. You're in the mourning part of And I'm thinking they would do something like this. Take another bite. What? Take another bite. I want to see you take another bite. Because you are dead. Laugh. Go ahead and laugh again. God, I can't believe I get to hear you laugh again. Laugh. Because you are dead. And now you're alive. Reach out. Just hold my hand for a minute. Wouldn't you be like that? Somebody you loved was dead and now they're back and... 
every interaction about their normal mundane life would become deeply meaningful because they were dead and now they're alive. Nobody should ever come to church and forget if you're a company of the redeemed, if you're in the family of the redeemed, you should have walked in here going, I used to couldn't do this. I couldn't lift my hands. I didn't care about the word of God. I didn't want to be around other believers. I was dead. But now I'm alive. I used to have an eternity that I was so uncertain about, didn't believe in, or was certain it was bad. Now I have certainty about my eternity. It's amazing. I didn't used to know what it means to be filled. I was always empty. Now I know what it means to walk in abundance. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Every great church service is filled with people who have never forgotten. I was dead. Now I'm alive. They look around the room and go, he was real dead. You know how you look around and go, I went to high school with him. I went to college with her, like dead twice. And they're alive. They have life coming out of them. Churches have to have people that are redeemed and they need to be getting people born again all the time. They know the power of the dead coming to life. So they walk out of here going, I'm going out, I'm going to find people, I'm bringing them to that fall festival. I'm bringing them next week to hear Pastor Morgan. I, I'm, I'm going to get them. If, if you don't even know how to share the gospel, you know how to bring and include. Just go, you just come with me. I'll come get you, come with me. And even though we want you to be better at sharing the gospel, we want you to know how to do your two-minute testimony. We want you to know how to do all these things that will help you do the one-to-one, all the different stuff that you can do to share the gospel. Everybody can do this. Hey, just come with me and let the church do the heavy lifting. But at least be involved in trying to get the dead alive. Number two, number two, every great church service has radical, sacrificial serving. Martha had a knack for serving people. We know that from way back before chapter 11 that we're going to get into here in a second to close this thing up. But before, we have this little story that Jesus relates, that scriptures relate, about how Martha was serving and helping a bunch of people that were there to hear Jesus get served properly, have some food to eat, stuff to drink. And Mary, her sister, kept hanging out with Jesus, listening to everything he had to say, but wouldn't help in the kitchen. And so Martha gets real mad at her. There's sermons preached about that all the time. Goes to Jesus, makes a complaint, and Jesus has some responses to that. So we know Martha was into this whole serving thing. And every church that is amazing has people in it that serve that way. It should be the mentality of everybody, and then there's some, they're just, that's just them on steroids. It's, it's loving is serving. Loving is giving. This service today, it's happened, you know, you're the third time. You're not the only one. This is the third one. I don't know, I'm going to bet a hundred or more people are involved in making this whole day be amazing. Mosaic Church, amazing. Amazing music. You go out, your children are well taken care of. The building's clean. Everything looks good. The coffee shop is cool. Brett was serving today. That's a little questionable. And uh, it uh, was serving coffee. That worried me a little bit. I thought everybody needs to get out alive. And, uh, and so, but anyhow, so it, was, it was all these different things going on around here. And I thought, this, this place is alive. It has energy. But you know, there's things that are going on. No one knows they're being taken care of. Paper towels are being replaced. You're going, that matters? It matters big time. Everything's important to Jesus, and especially those who serve. 
Those who go, I want us to be beautiful. I want us to look amazing. No church has that unless it has radical serving. That means people have to get up and do things that they didn't plan on doing. They have to give of their discretionary time. In order for the church to be amazing, people are giving stuff that they haven't even been asked for sometimes. They're going, I'm just going to make it better. Radical serving makes churches great. makes the bride beautiful. They're going... I see a problem. I'll fix it. They don't complain. They fix. Third thing is passionate, reckless. I don't really like the word reckless. Let's just go with sacrificial. Passionate, sacrificial worship. Mary comes in with this expensive perfume, cracks it open, just pours it out, and the whole room changes. Whole room changes. Um, you know, worship's a funny thing. Now, what, here, you go, how should we worship? This is real simple. I'm a guest speaker, so I can say this, and then Morgan can clean it up next week. <laughs> but let me tell you what I've learned in my years of walking through different kinds of churches and that. Find out what the house rules are. You're going, like in the Bible? No, no. Find out what this church does and doesn't do, and then do that. Find out what it is and go, hey, look, if they say raising your hands is cool, raise your hands. If they say singing out loud is cool, sing out loud. If they say clapping and giving applause, sort of, clap your hands and give an applause. If they say it's okay to amen and encourage the speaker, say amen and encourage the speaker. <laughs> Smells better already. And so find out what is okay in whatever house you're in. But you wouldn't go to, you wouldn't take that practice and then go to a Presbyterian church and go, hey, hallelujah, way to go, preacher. You'd be escorted out. (laughs) Find out what's within the house rules and give it all you got. Stick your whole heart in that and give it all you got. Because it isn't in the form, it's in the person. It's in the heart. And I just love being in the charismatic setting. When I don't know what you guys call yourself. I call myself charismatic. I call our church charismatic. I go with whatever flow and whatever criticism we got to take. You got to pick a name. And you're going to be picked for, you're going to be criticized for whichever one you pick. So I picked that one. And so we go for it in different ways, but there's certain things we don't do. And when somebody comes up and goes, well, I think we should do this, I'm going, thanks. No, we're not going to. So, and we just keep right on going. I said, until the leadership and, the, and we think differently, this way it's going to be, just serve with all your heart inside that. Radical worship. Sacrificial. Pray. Praise. Couldn't wait for the music to start today. Man, that walk in the room song, that thing's amazing. I've never heard that. And, uh, and I don't know how I missed it, so I was asking, who is that? And, and uh, finding out who it is, I'm texting my guy going, get a life and learn this. <laughs> I said, how do we not know this, idiot? And, uh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I love my worship leader. Thought it. And, uh, but, uh, it, it, but didn't say it. All right, so <laughs> I'm tell I'm on my last service. You need to finish, Russ. So this is, this is seeing this sacrificial worship, seen in obedience and giving is an expressive declaration. It means once in a while you go, you know what? I'm not waiting for them to ask. I'm going to give extra today because I just want to give more. So you write out a little extra check. You, you get on and get off of your normal giving and give extra to it. You go, Russ, you trying to get more money here? I'm trying to get more worship. Because when there's more worship, 
the room changes. All right. And then the last and fourth thing is the presence of Jesus. So at that table, Jesus was very, very present. He was right there. You could feel him, talk to him, hear him, know him. I feel him here in this room. I feel him here with you. I feel Jesus. I feel worship. Not all of you. There's never a room this size that everybody picked up on that one. A lot of you spectated. But we can fix that. No one's mad. Just giving you an opportunity to think it differently. There's serving opportunities. This church is being served. I feel it, see it. People take care of you. I've been asked about a hundred times anything we can do for you. I love that spirit. It's a good thing. But this isn't what happened in chapter 11. That's the greatest church in the world. People going, I'm born again. I'm getting people born again. I'm alive. I used to be dead. I'm serving. I'm trying to find ways to make our church better. I can't wait for the song to start. I can't wait to hear the word of God. I can't wait to be around the other believers. I'm just having so much fun. Jesus is here. That's the greatest church service in the world. But chapter 11, it was different. And we'll close. We'll finish. A few days earlier, Lazarus was dead. Mary and Martha were in house mourning. Nobody was serving and nobody was worshiping and Jesus was gone. That's a sad church service. That's a sad church service. So here, here, here's some things I want to ask you. But have you, and you, uh, we can go ahead and help me close and, and, and uh, put us in the right mood for me to walk away. But when we come to church and forget that we're not, that we weren't, alive that we were dead and jesus saved us when you forget that day no matter how many years ago folks i've been born again 45 years i've been in the ministry 43 of them 40 yeah 43 i can't stop thinking about that i can't go i'm looking for the right kind of church service i'm looking for the jesus who raised me from the dead I am looking for the Jesus who raised me from the dead. That's what gets me excited. I drove in your parking lot into Mosaic this morning. I'm going, I'm alive. His first act of grace was he created me. His second act of grace was he recreated me. And there I stand as a created, recreated being all because of him. None of those were by my own decision. They were all by his. I am certainly going to come in this house and praise him. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to find a way to burn my life up. I'm going to walk out of Mosaic today with nothing on the field. I'm going to give it everything I absolutely possibly can because of him. I love you. I love your pastor, but I love him. I love what he's doing in the earth. I love his church. I love his bride. I got to give it all I got. I got to worship with all I got. I got to serve with all I got. I was dead and now I'm alive and Jesus is present, the one who raised me from the dead. I got to give it all I got. But when you forget, when you forget, when you forget, you start going to church, not Jesus. And when you start going to church, not Jesus, church changes. It gets uglier. But when you go to church for Jesus, it gets beautiful. It gets beautiful. Have you forgotten the joy of your salvation? Never come to church without remembering, I was dead and now I'm alive. Number two, are you withholding your service because your expectations weren't realized? Now, (laughs) Martha, some of you are going to get this right away, so we don't have to take a long time on this. And um, Martha, you know why she stopped serving? 
She, take a look at what she does in chapter 11. You can go back and read it later on today and, or tomorrow or somewhere in your devotions this week. But Martha, when she, they said the teachers come into town. Now he's like three or four days late. They said the teacher's just outside of town. Martha gets up and says, oh, good. You have to read it, see it. And she goes, I'm going to go out and give him a piece of my mind right now. So Martha marches outside of town, the servant, the angry servant. Churches have angry servants all over. You know why they're angry? Somebody let them down. People that love to serve, they want to make the fall festival amazing. They want to make today amazing. And somebody calls them and goes, I can't make it. They get let down over and over and over. If you're a servant that really cares, you're going to get let down. Now listen to me. You will get let down over and over and over again. People just do that. What you can't let happen is for your heart to go south because people kept letting you down. You just got to keep serving him. Now, folks, now listen to me. I've had people let me down in spades. I mean, I've had every kind of let down you can think of. If there's a new one out there, I don't want to know about it. Just let me get done. But people have let me down, and I've thought, oh, and then finally I get frustrated. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to set myself up to do that anymore. They just, they don't care anymore. If they don't care, I don't care. Churches have great servants, and I guarantee you mosaic has them. You're supposed to be in the game, but you got tired of people. They let you down. And now the church isn't as good as it could be, as great as it is, because you're not doing what God called you to do. Mary never leaves the house. So Jesus says, after he... It's funny how, if you look real closely at how Jesus worked with an angry servant, he was super good with her. He was firm. He was firm, but loving. Like he doesn't understand us, folks, when we're broken and struggling. He didn't slap around and go, straighten up, Martha, you dumb woman. He goes, now look, Martha, again here we are. And you're mad because somebody didn't do what they said they would do. Come on, girl. It's me. And we know it worked because of chapter 12. And then... He says, where's your sister? So Martha runs home and goes, hey, uh, he's asking for you. He kind of helped me out a little bit. He's asking for you. Mary gets up, runs to him. Falls down her feet, says the exact same words as Martha, exact same words. But yet her tone's different. Lord, I don't understand. Hers isn't, you should have been here. You were told. You didn't show up. Hers was... I just knew if you were here, my brother would have been healed. That's how I've lived. I've lived at your feet, and living at your feet has created these dreams in me. Folks, I don't know how a Christian reads their Bible and doesn't get filled up with dreams. I don't know how you sit in church services and hear pre- people preach prophetic futures, and I, I mean out of Scripture, not weird out of, outer space things out of scripture the prophetic destiny of the church and of life and what it means to follow Jesus and not start going that's what I want folks I read my Bible and go that's what I want Jesus walked on the water Jesus healed the leper Jesus made the limb grow Jesus did this Jesus did that then I see Moses led the people through the Red Sea I saw how God delivered the people from Egypt and I start seeing all these things that God doesn't go that's what I want when you read your Bible your expectations if you're a worshiper if you want all that God has your expectations and dreams for the future go forth they're not all yours to have but man they sure exist 
He didn't say, Russ, you get all these things. He just said, this is what I do. This is the kind of God I am. This is the kind of God I am. I don't think, Russ, it didn't work out for you. If you think all those things are happening for you because somebody's going to die, Russ, is way too young to die. Somebody that you love desperately, it's going to happen, son. It's going to happen. You know, there's, everything in marriage isn't going to work out like you thought it was. Everything at your church isn't going to work out like you thought it was. And if your dreams are high and your faith is high and it's there because of me, it's going to break your heart. Listen to me, Mosaic, because I'm done. It's going to break your heart. And when it breaks your heart, it's not God breaking your heart. It's living in at this level of faith and going, I just think I want all these things to happen. And when it happens, you're going to stay in the house. You're going to isolate and you're going to go, I'll be at church. But I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not living with that reckless abandon anymore. You're just going to get hurt. And when you do that, the fragrance in this room changes. It changes. It doesn't smell as good. Isn't as beautiful. And he's calling Mary out, Martha out. Jesus is at the table. We have people raised from the dead. You need to come out and be reckless with your worship. You need to just with wild abandon, give him all you got. You need to believe big. Because when you do, it gets easier to preach here. When you do, it gets easier for the team to lead in worship. When it is, it gets easier to lead the children. Everything gets easier when Mary is worshiping. Martha is serving. We remember that we were raised from the dead. And it's all because Jesus is present. And then when you... I know this is a lot more. I'm, this takes two minutes. I've had the privilege of doing hundreds of weddings over my long career. I've had hundreds of weddings. Let me show you something that happens to me over and over and over again in closing. And this is only for you. No other service has seen this. I know some of you are going, it's time to go home, Russ. We don't want to see it either. And, uh, but just, just bear with it. Just bear with me on this. So I stand here and the groom comes out with me. And so we get, there's no aisle here in the center. So let's say there's a center aisle right there. And the groom comes out and we stand there and we do our thing. And then the girls come by and the guys come out with the groom. They're all standing there. And, uh, and then it happens. Dun, 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 dun. No one does that anymore. I don't know why. But the wedding thing. She steps up there with whoever's going to give her away. And everybody stands up. And she's the most beautiful girl in the room, right? And you ever been to a wedding that the bride's not the most beautiful girl in the room? It is glow. And uh, there she stands, and they stand still for a minute. And here's what I see. So I'm here with the groom, and I'm watching, and she's at the end of the aisle, and they kind of stand there for a minute. So the people do this, and I'm the people, and there's me and the groom up there. And here's what they do. They look, and they're trying to see, the ladies are trying to see what her dress looks like, what kind of flowers she's doing. Did she veil up, veil down, no veil? Did she lose the weight she thought she was going to lose? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sweet story till then, wasn't it? And, uh, and, so, and so then it's, and, you look at, and here's what they do every time. You know what they do, right? Remember, I'm up there. They go just like this. They look at her, and then they turn and look at the groom. Every time. Every time. One time I did this, and I was so embarrassed because I'm ridiculous. When they, I was waiting for them when they turned around and go, 
which took away from the whole thing was dumb. So I don't do, I just stand there now and watch. And they look at the groom. You know what they're doing? They're going, you see her? What you thinking right now? Actually, I know what he's thinking, but, and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it, but I said, what, what's, do you, that's yours. That's your bride. That's the one you're going to, look at her, how beautiful, she belongs to you here in a minute. So I finish with this. I'm going to pray over you. Every Sunday morning at Mosaic Church, South Point Community Church, we step to the end of the aisle with all our brokenness and all our junk and all the stuff we bring. We step to the end of the aisle and Jesus stands up here as the groom and I ask him every time, what do you think? Is she beautiful? Do you want her for the rest of your eternity? Is that the one you want? When we serve and worship and celebrate being born again every time we come and live in the presence of Jesus, you're beautiful. You're just beautiful. And Jesus goes, that's the one I want. Father God, bless Mosaic Church. Bless their leadership. Bless Pastor Morgan, Carrie, Galen, John that stand with them and then staff and team that serve so keenly. Bless all of these people. Lord, if there are servants that need to get back, if there are Marys that need to show back up, I pray that you'll move powerfully and mightily in their lives and bring them back into the game and that this church will smell better because the atmosphere will change and be served better than ever before. As great as it is, Lord God, I pray that you'll make it even better. In Jesus' name.